A brief update. It's May the 12th, 2024. I've released just two episodes of this year. My father-in-law passed away in January. He bravely fought a multitude of health issues for well over 15 years. Rest in peace, John. My wife of more than 20 years, Lisa, is remarkably strong, much more so than I. Her outlook on life is always positive and has motivated me to resume my passion project. Research for new episodes is now well underway. Stay tuned and sincere thanks for subscribing to my podcast. You can see me in this photo, but you never see that photo because this one is so great. Andy can speak to this. This is a, another photographer shot this picture, but Andy was the one pressing the, the trigger for a system that we used. It does speak to the, the teamwork aspect of things. I love seeing you under the basket right there. I didn't even notice that right. today. <laughs> um, my picture is, is nice. Like when I first shot it, I knew I had it and I was like yeah. excited about it. But it's not as good as this one by any stretch. Yeah. The crowd, that you, you do see the clock, the people's fate, the Utah fan. And this, it was just a crazy moment in NBA history right here. Then you are in Australia right now. You're talking NBA basketball. You're talking great teams. You're talking great individual players. Takes it off and there's number 23. And of course, Johnny goes nuts. So I'm getting first bumps thinking about it now. I just tried to go out there and play my game. I have no idea what you're talking about, Adam. I don't like anybody. I'm not a people person. Strand, you make the pass. Yes. Christian, can you catch the ball? Yes. All the stars were aligned and all the muscles fired at the right time. And I was able to get off the ground and throw one down. I was saving that as a surprise for you. And now, introducing your host for In All Airness, Adam Ryan. Welcome to episode 108. Thanks for joining me. I'm excited to welcome senior NBA photographers, Andrew Bernstein and Nathaniel Butler. This is the audio of our Zoom recording from May 2020. I've since uploaded the video to YouTube, which includes each of the iconic photos that Andy and Nat discuss herein. There is a link to the video in the description of this episode on your podcast player. We cover Michael Jordan's final shot and the moments thereafter from the 1998 finals, Magic Johnson's junior, junior skyhook at Boston Garden from the 1987 finals, Jordan's locker room celebration with his late father, James, from the 1991 finals, and a stunning breakaway slam dunk from the late Kobe Bryant, circa 2000. Show notes for this episode and access to a huge archive of past episodes are available at inallairness.com. Now, on to the show. My guests today have photographed some of the most iconic moments in basketball history. They both started working for the NBA in the mid-1980s and continue to document the league's history to this day. Uh, Andrew Bernstein and Nathaniel Butler, thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for having us, Adam. It's a pleasure to have you both on. Just for some context, Andy, you previously guested on the podcast uh, going back a couple of years now. It was a great conversation that we had about your history in photography and working with the NBA. But Nat, do you mind just uh, detailing, if my research is correct, you've in at every NBA All-Star game and NBA Finals since 1986. Is that correct? Uh, yes, every, uh, every one since, since 86. I started when I was 13. They had no labor laws. 
<laughs> I was going to say, you look almost too young to be able to do that. But. <laughs> I don't know. Like, well, you know. <laughs> when do you first remember meeting one another? Is there a story behind your first meeting? There's a photo that I'd like to show in a moment, which I've found online, I believe, through the B&H photo. Perhaps there's a great photo that I hope to share in just a moment. God help us. You know, I don't remember that initial meeting, Matt. Was it... Uh... It was through Terry, Terry Lyons, our dear friend. I, I know that. He made the intro. It's funny. Um, I don't remember specifically. There you go. But I think, uh, I think it would have to have been 86 All-Star in, in, um, in yeah. Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, I think, you're, yeah. I think you're right. I think it was. And then, then got to know each other better during uh, 86 finals right. because it not as hectic and then you have an off day or between yeah. games or something and that's when our friend, friendship first started. was uh who's in the 86 finals uh, uh boston and houston boston, houston, houston. boston. Right. Yeah. right right yeah what's the story behind this photo here can you recall actually what was happening on that day or that's just one that was taken in amongst a, a whole flurry of things that's uh, a lot of years ago yeah, I, I don't I don't remember what was happening that day. I mean, wearing one of the original NBA shirts, that's yeah. for sure. It looked like a locker room in the background or something, but it was some some shoot that we were doing. That's so, a great photo. How yeah. do you feel looking back on it all these years on? Nice to have been young once, right, Nat? <laughs> that's a lot of games between the two of us since that photo, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fantastic we were purely, purely partners in crime. I mean, we still are, but it was just just Nat and I for a long time. I mean, really, until we had I don't even know who the next person up was. Jesse came along much later, but maybe I started bringing Barry or something or Garrett. But you know, Nat and I would just do all these big events, just the two of us running around like like idiots with you know didn't know which end was up. <laughs> And obviously, the whole digital age has come to be. Uh, it's a completely different scenario between how things started back in the 1980s when you were doing things on film. Uh, I believe we did chat about it, Andy, when you guessed it on my podcast a few years ago. But Nat, when was the approximate time that you would have converted to be all digital? I know that Andy tried to hold off for as long as possible, if my memory serves. When did you change over to, to let the digital age come in? You know what? Same with me because I, I love to have the film looked i love that we shot with the Hasselblad the two and a quarter it just mechanically it's a beautiful camera the different lenses were beautiful the film was beautiful but the needs started changing you know uh and people needed needed the material you couldn't shoot a game and wait three hours at the lab to get the film processed you know time times were changing but it was it was 2003 and that was a big deal because of the class of 2003 with, you know, LeBron, Wade, Mello, like that was sort of the next generation of all these young stars. So through the course of that season, we started, uh, you know, switching to digital. The original digital stuff was not great quality. So we had to sort of, I didn't want to go backwards in quality either. But by then it was starting to equal film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the original digital cameras were, like, like gigantic. And they weighed, you know, I don't know what they weighed, 15 pounds. And the files were tiny and terrible. Um, I mean, I didn't honestly believe that it was ever going to catch on, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, 
you know, you talk about the two and a quarter. I mean, this guy right here, my buddy, was truly one of the, if not the best, one of the best of the Hasselblad guys. I, I never really got the hang of it, honestly. I mean, I was good with it with remotes, but the handheld thing, I just could never really feel comfortable with it, honestly. And that, I think from day one, you did. I just loved it right from the jump. Yep. In terms of current day, as far as what we've been happening uh, during this really strange time that we're living in at the moment, uh, just yesterday, the 10-part docuseries, The Last Dance from ASPN, uh, concluded. And clearly, your respective lives behind the lens are reflected in countless moments throughout those 10 episodes. Uh, It was an incredible series. I just absolutely loved it. Um, I'd love to know what your respective thoughts are on that and is there a particular moment or a takeaway from any episode that particularly stood out to you above all others you want to go net or you want me no, to go ahead go ahead start well I, I think what stood out the most was just how epic that run was i mean we were there from the beginning and nat and i shot michael jordan you know as a rookie so we were around his whole career but that run of of six championships in eight years man, it was just something else. And then, you know, it's kind of fun to see each other and all our friends and all the people we've worked with, you know, in front of the camera, behind the camera, you know, throughout the series, that's been great. But the one moment that that I really want to point to is is really the the last shot. I mean, the last shot just kind of summed up everything for me in terms of teamwork, all of us, you know, really going for one goal, which was to, to get that, definitive picture which of course now lives on i mean i don't think we knew at the time the significance of it being the last picture of the last dance <laughs> you know but that's what it's taken on and i'm i'm happy to have been part of that similarly in the moment not to equate yourself with one of the athletes but you're in the moment so you don't really have time to think about things yeah. you're working hard and and trying to to do your job and don't really allow yourself Mm -hmm. to get caught up in the moment you can't be caught up in the moment you have to keep doing your job and it is fun you know 20 some years later to look back at things because you have a lot of memories we have a lot of friendships with uh team personnel league personnel over the years and i've loved it just like everyone else waiting for the sunday night to Look forward to watching it. It's special for me because I've been watching it with my two boys because they were too young to remember that just as a parent, as a basketball fan, again, like everyone else sitting on the couch watching it, it's been an awesome experience. Yeah, it's great to hear your memories. Thank you both for sharing them. You should be able to see on the screen uh, that, Andy, this is one of the photos that you sent through to me. Now, I believe, Nat, you were sitting on the opposite baseline closest to Jordan. You can see me in this photo. Uh, I have a a shot of him with the ball right on his hands. You see the shot, but you never see that photo because this one is so great. Andy can speak to this. This is another photographer shot this picture, but Andy was the one pressing the the trigger for a system that we used, and it it does speak to the, the teamwork aspect of things. Yeah. I love seeing you under the basket right there. I didn't even notice that that today. (laughs) Um, My picture is is nice 
Like when I first shot it, I knew I had it and I was like yeah. excited about it. But it's not as good as this one by any stretch because it, of the, it tells a know, story. Yeah. The crowd that you you do see the clock, the people's fate, the Utah fan, and this it was just a crazy moment in NBA history right here. Yeah. I believe this was taken by the Orlando Magic photographer Fernando Medina. Medina, and and also yeah. I saw you recently share it, Andy, and I think you had the hashtag teamwork. So as Nat alluded to there, what was involved behind getting this photo to happen in terms of uh, your role in in the uh, photo as well? And then we'll get to another photo shortly, which shows. Jordan celebrating just moments after the final buzzer there that uh, that Nat took. Yeah, well, not meaning to get like too photo technical about it, but we uh, back in the day, and we still actually employ this system um, of these radio units that are attached to cameras that are remote cameras. So, if you look really closely at this picture in the backboard, you'll see a bunch of cameras there, and those are all controlled through this system. And the, the cameras are all tied in to a single strobe system, which are these giant flashes that are up in the ceiling of, in the catwalk. And only one photographer can be on a one strobe system at a time because you would blow the, the, the strobes. You, would, you know, they need four seconds to recycle, so you can only get one picture every four seconds. You can't be, you know, shooting with somebody else because it's a dedicated system. We worked with some uh, some tech guys to develop this multi-camera system that would fire these cameras at the same time with the same strobe burst. And in those days, we actually not only used these stationary remote cameras that were placed all over the arena, but we used human being remotes. <laughs> we call them human drones. And Fernando happened to be one of those, the two that were on my system, um, the other one being Scott Cunningham, who was at an elevated angle at midcourt, so that they would compose and they would focus, you know, follow the action. The only thing they wouldn't do would, would actually trigger the camera. They would not push the trigger button to take the picture. I had to do that for them, right, because of the strobe system. So when I push this auxiliary button, this little button next to my shutter button, my camera would go off, right? All the remotes would go off, plus the human drone remote guys would go off. So you're hoping that you get a picture like this. Now, the year before, I don't know if you remember that, but we kind of screwed up. And uh, it wasn't you, but it was the photographer who remained nameless who was supposed to get a picture like this at the finals and didn't. And our boss called him out at this finals and said, if this ever happens again, you got to be ready, right? right? So he was ready. <laughs> Very long story short, I was in the corner to the left of Tony Kukoc over here, the very, very edge of the frame. And I'm following Michael as the play unfolded. I can see Byron Russell stumble. And just as Michael elevated, Tony Kukoc gets in my way. So I don't see Michael anymore, but I saw the bottom of his feet. <laughs> and I saw him elevate, and I knew I had to bang the button. I had no picture. You know, my picture was of Tony Kukoc's back. But I knew that the two human drone guys had, you know, at least had the potential of getting the picture. And that's how this picture was made. Unbelievable. It's uh, crazy to hear what happens behind the scenes for that to actually take place and, and come to be such an iconic photo. Your boss that you're referring to, I assume, is the late, great David Stern? No, no. My, our photo's boss, Carmen Romanelli. Oh, okay. Radio. I don't even know if David Stern knew we were there at the time, Ned. But no. <laughs> But Carbon ran uh, NBA photos and now is the head of, um, of license 
truly a, a group effort. What are your memories, Nat, of this moment unfolding? You know what? You knew Michael was going to take the shot. And then in that picture we just looked at, you can see me shooting. I'm looking down, looking through the Hasselblad. You know, in basketball, there's a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. And I had him lined up, stayed right on him. You want the ball releasing the clock in the background. And I was waiting for a car to clear a little because he, he was a big body that was in front of me. And he slid a little to the left. And mm-hmm. then I, I took one frame. Yeah. And at the time, I, I was thrilled. I loved it. And then, I, like I said earlier, I saw this one. I was like, wow, that, that's much better. And yeah. the elevated shot that Scott had, yeah. people don't see a lot, yeah. uh, but it's an awesome uh, moment as well. It is cool to how it, it speaks to the team effort. Yeah, yeah un- unbelievable. So uh, thankfully, uh, Tony Kukoc and also Antoine Carr didn't uh, quite put the kibosh on the photo. Never, <laughs> never happening. So uh, that's good right. to hear. How about this photo here, Nat, that hopefully you'll be able to see on the screen? This is one that you sent me ahead of our chat today. Can you talk us through just being right there at the moment to capture that uh, moment there as Jordan's holding up the six fingers for the six titles? After Michael hit that shot that we were just talking about, Utah gets the ball. They call the timeout. John Stockton had a really good look at a three. Like he probably, whatever, I'm not a big stat guy, but 40, 50% of the time he nails that. He missed it. It's just bedlam. So at that time, we just run out on the court, and I was fortunate enough to get Michael. He didn't do it for a long time, but arms up, giving the the sixth sign. It's crazy that there's no TV guy. Like He must have been next um, to you or something. We always try not to get in front of the TV guys and get next to them. I'm assuming he's next to me. Sort of one of my favorite shots because it says it all, you know. And that was his last hurrah there. Yeah. Remarkable. What did you do, Andy, after the final buzzer went? What were your motions in the following seconds? Do you recall? I uh, don't remember, honestly. I, I know I ran out on the court. I haven't seen any of my photos from the court, like, ever. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe stuff didn't work. You know, you're depending on a radio uh, to trigger strobes. It was crazy because it brought back memories watching the doc because after they win, they do the trophy and we're shooting all that stuff. They went into the locker room for a little bit, uh, which we were back there and got some really nice moments. They never showered or never took off their their jerseys. And they showed that last night in the doc. They went, hopped on the bus. I thought it was very cool, by the way, Carl Malone getting on the bus. Yeah. Congratulate them how difficult that must have been for him. Yeah, I don't remember that happening. Crazy show of sportsmanship i remember being on the bus then i got off the bus uh uh, to go break down all these cameras you guys continued on with michael up to his suite and there's like playing the piano and singing and then like and it's it's unbelievable he's still in his jersey still got the champagne soaked jersey and t-shirt on it's crazy they didn't take a shower crazy it's also crazy that they didn't fly back to Chicago that night because the game ended early. Michael had that line when he comes out of the arena saying, oh, it's still light out. I could play some golf now or something. Well, I think you, you have a little, uh, little post-game activities plan. Yeah. You don't yeah. want to get right on the plane. You want to enjoy that yeah. as long as you can. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk to that uh, moment up in that hotel room, Andy? Because in the 
background of those shots, you can see yourself there taking photos. Yeah. Did that sort of bring back some great memories for you? Yes and no. Our <laughs> boss at the time, Carmen, said, you got to go to the hotel and, and just find where they are. You know, we didn't know if they're going to be, they had a ballroom or it's going to be on their suite level or whatever. So I get over there and I don't know how I found out, but I knew that to go up to the, this one floor, which they had the whole floor. And once I get off the elevator, it literally reminded me of being back in college, you know, like dorm, crazy party central, like champagne bottles everywhere. This is a true story. The first room I walk into, it's got Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in there, you know, drinking and having a great time. This is the craziest scene ever. And then I'm hearing a lot of commotion down the hall in the presidential suite. And I go in there and it's packed. Michael's in there sitting at the piano, big stogie, you know, and Michael Jordan, I think is really great at a lot of things, but he does not know how to play the piano. And he knew he didn't know how to play the piano, but it was just such a moment. It's funny in the documentary, how he joked about at the practice about having a piano in his suite. Right. He was practicing that Gatorade song. He wanted to play that one Gatorade song. <laughs> everybody want to be like Mike. Be like Mike, yeah. yeah. Could have been the one thing he knew how to play. Yeah, so that was all a great memory, Adam, and the pictures were great. It was a fun night, and I was able to kind of take it in a little bit. I was literally next to the greatest sports photographer of all time, Walter Yost, who was in there, like right next to me. That was amazing. Um, but – you know, fast forward the next day, I caught pneumonia and uh, I was sick for two weeks. Oh, wow. Well. I didn't know that. Yeah, I ran out of the arena soaking wet, right? And you see me in the dog, I got the towel around me. But it was like a little bit of a cool evening and I had to run to the hotel, which was probably 10 blocks away with my gear. Probably didn't get to sleep until maybe I didn't even go to bed at all. But I got back to LA. I had like 102 fever. I was in bed for two weeks. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, That's not never. good. It wasn't some bad pizza that you ate by any chance, was it? No, it was just, uh, you know, heat of the battle, so to speak. And another photo, uh, Nat, that you sent me ahead of our chat today. Hopefully this will pop up. It's from the 1987 NBA Finals. And it's the uh, iconic Junior Junior Skyhook. Junior Junior, yeah. Uh, the tremendous photo here of Magic uh, in amongst the trio of Hall of Famers. Uh, yeah. Bird, Parrish, McHale. Uh, can you uh, please talk us through this great black and white photo, which is uh, obviously one of your favorites, Nat? You know what? That, again, a little bit of luck never hurts, being on that side of the court, being able to get that moment. But this speaks to what uh, we were talking about earlier about not digital. This was film. You shoot it. I remember he, he hit it. There was two seconds left and pretty much like ran off the court right after he hit it. And you hope that you get the shot. We don't know. We break down. I was shooting black and white because in those days, a lot of newspapers didn't even use color. Andy was shooting on strobes. Uh, we're both shooting for the league to document the history, but people had different needs. A lot of newspapers and NBA publications just ran black and white. Yeah. Um, but after the game, we run back to the hotel. I'm shaking up the canisters and developing film in the hotel. You're holding it up. And I was like, yeah, we got it. Did you shoot a motor drive sequence? You, you know what? It's funny. I don't remember. I think in those days, my cameras were so old. Like, 
the motor was too slow. Right. You know, those MD-12. Yeah. And I was just, you know, one frame and that was it. And thankfully, it's cool. Like, you look at it, it's four Hall of Famers there, you know. And even Magic at one time made a comment that it was one of his uh, favorite shots, which made me feel good. Unlike Andy, I didn't see the Lakers much being on East Coast. That was game four. The Lakers won in six that year. Yeah. Fantastic photo. Absolutely fantastic. Such an old-time picture, too. I mean, you see the, the whole kind of depth of Boston Garden with the overhanging uh, balconies and all right. that stuff. Remember? Right. I was wondering if there was a reason for the black and white, but it just looks so great in black and white. So um, yeah. I think it is a, obviously a, a fantastic choice. And the next photo I'd love to share, this is a, a great one that, um, Andy, that you sent through ahead of time today, and I'll open it up in a moment. It's from the 1991 NBA Finals. The iconic photo of Jordan cradling the uh, NBA Championship trophy with his late father, James, at his side. We did talk, I believe, a little bit about this when you guessed it on the podcast a few years ago, but I'd certainly love to hear your recollections of, of how this one came to be as well. Just a, another iconic photo. Well, this is, you know, has uh, taken on a lot of significance in a lot of ways. It's Michael's first championship and, you know, his dad being in the photo. And we all know what happened to his dad, you know, especially from watching Michael's reaction um, during the last dance and, and it was a, just a crazy, chaotic moment. Back in the day, the, the network used to do the trophy presentation to the winning team in the visiting locker room or in the home locker room. They didn't do it on the court. So the, the locker room at the forum was like a glorified closet, and all hell was breaking loose in there. I mean, it was insane. Champagne's flying everywhere. There's all kinds of people in there, family members, media and they're trying to do this trophy presentation like in this little like corner of the locker room. And the only vantage point I could get and see anything was I jumped up on bridge table in the middle of the room so I could at least see, you know, what was going on. You know, all of a sudden they, they stopped the, the trophy presentation. They went to commercial and then they wanted to get Michael for an, a one-on-one interview live, but they couldn't find him. And everyone's desperately looking for him. And I don't know, some sixth sense just said, look to your left for some reason. I remember it just turned to my left and boom, there he was in this locker. And I just kneeled down and banged off a few frames. Matt, you're probably in this picture in the reflection somewhere. Right. right. And it was super cool to see it in the documentary because um, they have this moment, but sort of, around a little bit so you could actually see me in the ball like with the flash going off <laughs> this is crazy i had never seen that footage before so that was that was awesome how about you Nat? what do you recall about being in amongst all this uh mayhem that was going on at the time uh in 1991 you know what to andy's point it's it is very chaotic you know and you have a job to do you have to document it but you have to give people space and there's TV cameras in there, and, and they're usually the, the priority. But I was right on the other, other side. You know, there was a moment of him alone with the trophy. His mom was in there as well. It's, it's pretty special. You know, like you said, you have the opportunity to look back over time and realize that we were pretty fortunate to be able to document that for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the beginning of uh, the last dance. 
remarkable. Uh, it's just fantastic to have this opportunity with you both to share this. Uh, thanks yeah. again for your time. Just another photo or two that I may have before we sort of put a bow on this conversation. It's been great to speak with you both. The only one we haven't yet spoken about, and uh, this is a photo of the, the late, great Kobe Bryant, yeah. that uh, Andy that you sent through. This one here is an incredible one where he's uh, just, you've got it right up uh, close here as he's uh, about to throw down a monster dunk. Um, yeah, well, people probably don't know or maybe don't remember as much, but the, the young Kobe, like the pre-Mamba, was like a dunking machine. I mean, that, that kid would just, you'd probably get, I don't know, five or six dunks a game out of him. Um, not all of them as spectacular, you know, as this one turned out to be. But this is uh, probably the first year at Staples Center, I think. So it's probably the 99-2000 season. It's against New Jersey. It was a regular season game. One of the things Nat and I would always set up would be a Hasselblad camera with a wide-angle lens through the glass of the backboard. And this happened to be shot with that. And you can just see the difference. I mean, I don't think you have to be a photographer to really see how deep this picture is and how it just is a different look than than a digital 35 millimeter picture. I don't know. It's hard to describe. Uh, it's crazy, beautiful to freeze that moment. Yeah. You realize how hard he's throwing it. It's frozen. The yeah. beat, sweat on his face, his expression. That's a timeless classic. Crazy. crazy. And, you know, what was crazy too, Adam, was that, you know, we were shooting film. So obviously your roll of film has a finite number. And these Hasselblads, you could only get film that that shot 24 frames. Sometimes it was 12, but we had these film backs that shot 24 frames. And you had to sort of remember in your head how many remote pictures you took because you couldn't change film until – quarter break end of first quarter halftime end of third quarter you just can't be bringing ladders out there you know during a timeout and stuff to change film you know sometimes we couldn't change film at all some some arenas um, in the catwalk for example you set the camera up and you had 24 shots that's all you got because they wouldn't let you up in the catwalk during the game or let your assistant up there you know so you know, that was something that we always had to be very conscious of. And going back to the Jordan last second shot, I was thinking about that today, that who knows where I was on the film counter at that point. You know? <laughs> Could have been the 36th shot for all I know. You know, same with you, man. I mean, you were probably shooting 120 backs or 220 backs maybe. Yeah, no, I was always conscious. You had to be conscious of the count. And most of my arenas, you couldn't change. It was 24 for the entire game. Yeah, they wouldn't even let you go out at halftime. No. Well worth it. You get a shot like that, well worth it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Unbelievable. Just a remarkable array of photos that we've uh, had a, a chance to chat about today, and thank you very much, both of you, for your time. Uh, would you like to just briefly talk, Andy, to your book that you released, Mamba Mentality? Uh, I'd love for you just to briefly talk about the involvement that you had with, with uh, of course, Kobe and your very close relationship that you had uh, do you mind just talking about that for just a yeah, moment? Yeah, no, of course. No, I was very, very fortunate to to be uh, the Lakers photographer when he was a rookie in, in 96. And by then, um, I'd been in the league for 13 years. So within the organization, I had built a, some trust and a relationship, you know, with Pat Riley and Magic and Mitch Kupchak and Jerry West and, you know, everybody. So 
he had been, I guess, following my photos um, as a kid, um, as well as Nat's photos, a lot of people's photos, because he was just, you know, a student of the game. So he said he knew who I was, he recognized my pictures, and we just hit it off from the beginning. He was a very, very unique kid at 18 years old, very focused and driven and incredibly curious about everything all the time. You know, it's just a unique opportunity for a photographer to have one subject, you know, whether it's, you know, a musician or an athlete, it doesn't matter, you know, a politician, but to have that subject in front of your lens for 20 years, you know, it's just amazing. And, you know, now I think it's impossible almost for one athlete to be with one team for 20 years, the way everything is structured with the money and all that. But, um, you know, it's very lucky to have taken his first professional picture as a Laker, his last, and, you know, a lot of them in between. He got to his retirement um, year, you know, well, after All-Star break, I just realized that there was so much material that had not been published and that I, I just felt a need to get a lot of that out. And I talked with him and his marketing team about doing just like sort of a greatest hits kind of book, which he didn't want to do. He wanted to do a book with me, but he wanted it to be a book where he teaches about what it really meant to be the, the Mamba and break his own game down and his, his process and his craft and everything he put into becoming who he was. It was a gift. I mean, it was a real gift from him to allow me to be able to illustrate that with my pictures. And, you know, what's, what's just amazing now is that the book is, is, is continued now you know, with his passing to be a bridge and to be a connection between those of us who knew him and were around him, but even, you know, the young generation and fans who were great fans of his and now trying to teach their kids about him and very thankful that we had the opportunity to do the book together and that now it it sort of lives on and preserves his legacy. Yeah. Beautifully said. And also you, um, you were able to get Kobe on your podcast too, Legends of Sport. Yeah, uh, was it a two-part? I think it was a two-part episode. No, the, the oh. one with Magic was two parts. Oh, Magic but, was uh, two parts. So you had uh, Kobe, Kobe on the show. Great. No, he was very generous with that, and he was just incredible. And he knew that I was trying to build this Legends of Sport platform with the podcast, and to have him on talking about our book and then you know about his career was just really really helped me. And uh, it just goes to show what how generous a person he was, you know, mm-hmm. he wasn't really financially or anything, getting anything out of the book, but he saw it as a great vehicle to connect with his fans, but also to help really to help me. And it, it really did. Yeah. That's wonderful. And maybe just one last question for you, Nat, before we do wrap things up, if you don't mind, you were mostly based on the, the East coast as far as uh, your photography years uh, over the decades. Um, how was it uh, covering maybe the New York Knicks? I know you're a New York fan and you attended St. John's. Uh, what was it like to cover those Knicks um, and sort of see some of the struggles they had against those epic uh, matchups in the playoffs with the Bulls and just that whole 1990s where the Knicks were such a, a, a fascinating team to watch uh, in the many incarnations that they had? It was really uh, special. And one thing about this Jordan doc that some of the, the younger people will now realize is, yes, the Bulls won six titles, but it was not easy. Mm. Like they didn't roll over people. Like they had battles against, they had lost to Detroit. They finally beat Detroit. 
But they had battles. The Knicks had win it. You know, the Knicks were up 2-0. They'd come back, win a series. Those Indiana teams were really good. You know, there's a fine line. Utah, Michael hits that shot against Utah. They won by two points, I think. It wasn't like they were blowing people out and sweeping. And it's cool because you realize then you have more of an appreciation because of how difficult it was. Those Knicks were tough. Bounce here or bounce there. And the Knicks would have been there. Indiana could have been there, you know. So being there in those moments, the Garden is a special place, uh, always uh, has been. It was really fun for me to do that. And hopefully, you know, Brooklyn's going to make some noise soon. For me personally, I have a lot of uh, a lot of interest and vested interest uh, in a couple of those guys and a lot of friends over in Brooklyn now. Yeah. Um, so I'm really looking forward to, to – uh, to getting back to uh, those big games. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, it's been a pleasure to have both you gentlemen join me today. It's been uh, great to ha- have a chance to speak with you both. Uh, your collective experience is just astonishing between you over the decades. So uh, it's been a real thrill. And uh, I'll make sure I include links to both your respective Instagram accounts where you've been sharing some wonderful photos, particularly during this pandemic we're living through. Uh, mm-hmm. Please stay safe as we try and work our way through this. And uh, just one last time, thanks again for, for chatting with me today to both of you, Andy and Nat. No, thanks for having us, Adam. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Great to see you, man. Thanks for listening. I welcome your interaction with the show. You can suggest topics or guests you want to hear conversations with. Send me an email. Audio clips are welcome. In all airness at gmail.com. Worldwide, the show has upwards of 160 ratings on Apple Podcasts with an average of four and a half stars with almost 90 reviews across all providers. Thanks for your continued support. If you add a review, I'd love to read it out on a future episode. Your ratings and reviews are one of the best ways to support the podcast. If you enjoy the show, please tell your basketball-loving friends about it. And as I do love to say, your word-of-mouth recommendations are worth their weight in gold. Stay up to date and subscribe to my monthly email newsletter. You'll receive exclusive details on upcoming podcast episodes, future high-profile guests to appear on the show, and plenty more. Simply email me in allairness at gmail.com. You can subscribe to my show in various ways. Search for In All Airness, three words, on your podcast app of choice. The show is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Android, and more. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and share my web address with your friends and colleagues in allairness.com. Check out the podcast archive for plenty more episodes with high-profile guests. Follow me on Twitter at inallairness. Please add your like to the show's social hub, facebook.com slash inallairness. Join me next time for another edition of the show.